On this episode of Resi Week, we talk invisible speakers and big soundbars, Cedia restarts in-person education, and Teams adds some new features. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 233, Disjointed Connections. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Resi Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my very good friends. First, we have Heather Sidorowicz. She is the president of Southtown AV. How are you doing, sis? Hello, friends. How's it going? It's going great. Then we have Ken Eagle. He is the Senior Global Director of Training at Athlona. How are you, sir? I am awesome. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us today. We are going to kick it off with a story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today and Daryl Wilkinson, which, first of all, it, it's great to see Daryl writing again. It's been, it's been a little bit since he's been uh, writing and it's great to see him back. So Daryl, thank you. Uh, and, and we're happy to see you back writing, uh, heard, but not seen these invisible architectural speakers offer beautiful sounds without ugly sights. Uh, if you have been in this industry for more than a minute, you have definitely had that argument or shall we say conversation with a interior designer or a spouse uh, or someone involved who tells you that, no, you can't put that big black box above a fireplace or on that feature wall, and you definitely can't put speakers on the floor, on a shelf, in the wall, on the wall. Somehow, someway, someone has told you you cannot put a speaker uh, where you want it. So, Heather, let me let me start off with you. Invisible speakers have been around for a while. They kind of made their, uh, their debut, if you will, kind of in the... I want to say early nineties. Um, and they were real hot for a while. Then they simmered. Now they're back. And I see, I see lots of designers on Instagram touting this invisible sound and everything else. And I don't see integrators selling them very often, uh, including myself who has <laughs> I pitched them. I've never once sold one. Um, one, but ironically that was back in the early two thousands and that client eventually left and went, with another AV firm and lo and behold, um, that AV firm doesn't exist anymore and the house was sold. So we were back today to look at the entire system. And yeah, it's, it, it's just, it, it, the concept is great, but I mean, you can make in speakers virtually invisible because by putting them in the ceiling, because your eyes don't float up when you walk into a room. Um, In-wall speakers always make me cringe when you walk in because you can see them immediately. They stick out like a sore thumb. They're right at your eye level or right above your eye level. So you see them. Um, in ceiling speakers, you have to look for. So even this house that we had done so many years ago, I find myself walking around the house, looking up, trying to find where the in ceiling speakers were. Um, so yeah, I guess in a really high-end home, you know, perhaps if you're not looking at, you know, what happens when the speaker breaks or if there's an issue, um, then maybe, but no, not in my 18, 19 years. That was the only one we ever did. That's not necessarily a ringing endorsement, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't disagree because that, that has been kind of our approach too, is every time we pitch it, they go, Oh, that sounds fantastic. 
we'll never see them. I'm like, no, you'll, you'll ne- they'll, it'll be just like drywall and you'll hear it coming from that sort of location, depending on which brand you use, but the disbursement's really wide. It's, it's great for, for background music, et cetera. And then they usually have the question, well, what happens if it needs to be fixed? And then we have to go down the road of, yeah, we're going to cut your wall open. Ken, when, when you see this, when you, when you think about this side of that conversation, the, the, the construction aspect, is this something where you can overlook all of those things because they are just as good now or occasionally even better than a traditional in-wall? It, are you giving up that, that presence and that power for aesthetics? Well, so I have a I have a problem with it because personally, because I like big audio. You know, I'm that guy who cranks the subwoofer way up and shakes the walls, and I you know like to hear hear everything happening. And I love the bass loud. So for me, from a from an audio standpoint, it's difficult to sell this product because it, I'm, I'm not sure it performs the way I want to hear the audio. But from an aesthetic standpoint, it's great. I can tell you my wife would love it in a second, <laughs> you know, um, not to see the speaker anywhere. Uh, and also maybe not to have it quite as loud as I like to jam it. Uh, so <laughs> so don't tell her about these. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but the, but the, the, the other thought I have on this is the, the mind frame I feel is of, of the consumer is a little different also today. Because in the last, I don't know, let's say five years, We've got accustomed to sticking little little things around the house in the form of a little audio voice-enabled audio box, and we'll say whatever the keyword is, play my playlist or whatever, right? Uh, whoever your brand is, Google, Alexa, something, and you play something. So people are used to seeing something now that's not necessarily hidden and interacting with it. Uh, so I. I think it's a, maybe a little bit tougher sell unless you're in a pure aesthetic environment where you really want to see nothing. And today that's, that, that is getting big. I mean, you've got a lot of very clean line, uncluttered designs and houses. And so uh, there's definitely a place for it, but I mean, it's a tough sell. I think I agree with you on what you said earlier. It's a tough one to get to sell. Yeah. Very good. Speaking of things that, aren't necessarily tough to sell anymore, actually seem to almost sell themselves these days. Residential Systems has a great story on Blackwire being named the exclusive distribution partner, there's the word I'm looking for, uh, for Sennheiser's uh, Amiibo soundbar. Now, if you haven't seen this thing, you definitely need to go check this out. It It is a monster of a soundbar. It is quite, quite large. Uh, this is something that is, is being touted as really the as if you were there sound experience uh, with this this new soundbar. It's got 13 channels or sorry 13 drivers, 5.1.4 Dolby Atmos out of one single piece. Ken, we were we were talking uh, pre-show about this and 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 how much of a beast this seems to be. Is this that 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 soundbar that? really is going to become the uh, really the, the the leader in 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 soundbars and and really be that push for you know this is one device that can do everything you need in most of your rooms you don't need to go to separates you don't need to go to amplifiers and 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 speakers throughout the room you can go to this and not sacrifice anything well it's kind of a a two-part question for me. First part being, I think 
I think that this soundbar could be that soundbar you're talking about. Based on what I've read about it, it sounds like a monster. And I said I like to play it loud, and I think this one would do it. And it sounds it sounds pretty awesome. I love the size of it. I, I love the idea of maybe this is the the um, the single device, maybe eliminate the AVR, and we've got that one uh, system to to drive audio. The other part of this conversation, though, is if this is going to be the unit, um, I, I think you need to have more distribution than probably exclusivity with, with one distributor. Uh, there's so many avenues and options out there. Um, I believe they distribute Yamaha and ELAC and maybe one other. Uh, and Sennheiser, while it's an incredible audio company, I'm not sure they're quite synonymous with high-end residential audio yet, you know? So I, yeah. I think they get the product. It seems like it, it, it could be that awesome piece, but I think they got to do some work to, to get it in into the market, you know, to be that leader. Yeah, that's a very good point. Now, I, I will kind of preface that with, um, if you're specifically and only in the residential space, and you may only think of Sennheiser from some of their headphones, they are a class-leading uh, microphone company uh, in the commercial space, in the pro audio space. They have been just phenomenal the last couple of years with uh, especially some of their boundary mics and, and, and ceiling mics that you're seeing in commercial audio all the time. Heather, when you see this, this is one of those products that they're touting as something that can obviously be an amazing fit in the home, but it can also be in commercial spaces, in boardrooms. You and I have had this back and forth multiple times in the uh, in the vein of Sonos, that a lot of times when you have that that soundbar Sonos conversation, it's you almost put an asterisk with it. Of it, it's not a receiver and and surround speakers, but it's really 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 good. And they they just had the art come out, which again is really really good. You can read my review on it uh, on Aviation.tv. But it's even in the quote, I. I or sorry, even in the article, I alluded to, I had to compare it to my basement system, which is a true surround. Is this going to be the product that stops that comparison? So I had to do two things while, like I had to look up the specs to see what the size was because often these sound bars come out and they, but they're, they're still, they're really just speakers at that point because they're, I mean, this is almost 50 inches wide. Um, this one's about five, six inches deep, it's, you know, and it's retails. It looks for about twenty four ninety nine. Um, it it's tough, right? Well, it's not really tough because we all know anyone that came from real home theater knows that those presence speakers, your your surround speakers, still brings you in like no other. And although sound bars are trying to break through to be able to do that, most rooms are not a perfect four walled room. Most rooms these days are multi-purpose rooms and they're open to the kitchen. And that means that where's that sound bouncing off that's supposed to mathematically bounce off my wall and then come out behind me. It's just, it's not the same, but it can be really, really, really good. So I, I'm with you on the, um, there's ways to do it, but I think that, that no soundbar can match what having speakers around you, how that brings you in. You know, how many times in your world have you paused the TV to say, like, did the police just go by? Oh, no, that's the, that's the movie. That's the movie, right? That's when you know it's good. <laughs> is there a price delta, though, that, that, that eliminates that conversation? If this yeah. is $2,500 in a box, mm -hmm. right, 
you compare that to trying to get 500 watts out of a, a Denon or a Marantz or a Yamaha or a Sony and five speakers and a sub, it doesn't. No, I, I'm with you on that. That's I'm going to say that that's probably more that equates. It's a better comparison, right? So those figures compared to what this is, I'm going to guess this is. I have not heard it, but I'm going to get that this is pretty solid. And I agree with um with Ken that Sennheiser is not what you go to think of for soundbars, certainly. Um, and uh, you know, knowing on the commercial side, you know, microphones for sure. You said mm -hmm. Sennheiser, I say microphone. Yeah, very good. All right, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. Cedia is bringing back in-person education offerings. Uh, they had put a pause, obviously, on in-person uh, training due to coronavirus, but they are now offering a few new in-person courses uh, at their their headquarters over in Fishers, Indiana, which is just outside of Indianapolis. Uh, they're doing their cabling and infrastructure technician program as well as their home theater boot camp and advanced networking boot camp. Uh, these are slated to start uh, in late August, as far as pretty much all of those. They're going to start the last three weeks of, of August there. And prior to being on site, there's going to be some uh, questionnaire you have to fill out for exposure and symptoms, as well as safety measures on site, including masks. Uh, at all times inside the building, as well as temperature checks, et cetera, and reducing the class sizes to allow for social distancing and all that fun stuff. Heather, is this, there's really no way to kind of dance around this topic, but is this too soon? Is, is this something that you're looking at and going, yes, I might send a technician out to this? Or is it I'll something where you just go, you know what, maybe not yet? I have to say, so I'm in New York State, and New York State is really locked down. We have like handcuffs. Um, so for those who are not in New York State, I think there's about 16 states right now that we're not allowed to travel to um, without coming back in quarantine for 14 days. Um, I've had to cancel a family trip already. Um, I've canceled a business trip again. So it, it's it's tough. So for me, because of that, I'm not sending anyone anywhere. I'm not even looking at it until this calms down in some way, shape, or form. However, from CD's perspective, not all states are in that position. And how can you not restart and reboot this piece of it? Because this piece of the story is something that has to be hands-on. I don't think that anyone's doing a great job of learning virtually yet. There's certainly some pieces that we're taking out, but there's no great conferences that are virtually yet. Um, so I see why they are in a position that they have to move forward. I'm not, I don't think that it's bad from a pandemic standpoint. I think that we can be all responsible. From a salesperson standpoint, it's very hard to sell with a mask on. That is the truth. And it gets very tiring doing service as well <laughs> with a mask on. Ken, I'm really glad you are here for this because I can't off the top of my head think of anybody who's more in this vein. You're a global director of training. This is your, this is your bag. This is what you do. First of all, speak to what Athlone is doing and then speak to the, the, the challenges of what these programs are. I, I, I get why they have to do these in person. You can't necessarily explain and, and teach someone how to drill through a stud virtually. 
that that's that's hard, uh, especially when you're talking the the intro boot camps. Not all of these technicians even have all the tools if they wanted to try and practice stuff at home. How do you balance courses and, and, and trains that really do require some in-person hands-on uh, techniques to all of the other trainings that, that, that don't, that can be remote. And when is it going to look like this is going to become the norm again? Yeah. So those are really good questions. And you're right. It's stuff that we've been uh, challenged with coming up with solutions for since the beginning of this. Um, globally at Lona offers over 50 um, hands-on training courses a year. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of people that we put through those training courses. Uh, obviously, we in a short window that we've had since the start of this pandemic, we haven't been able to completely transition 100% of taking all of those people who we can't see in person anymore and teaching them virtually. However, we have, in a very small amount of time, put together courses for um, our, uh, let's say, our, um, our top tier of dealers who need to get that hands-on training right away we have created virtual training for those guys. So we're addressing in a couple ways. We've taken a lot of our courses, particularly our, our software type of courses, and transitioned those all to online. We already have a pretty robust online system, so we've enhanced it a bit more. But for those people who need the physical training, like you said, you can't drill through a stud virtually. So we have a, a, built a program now where we actually take those key dealers and we set them up with a kit of evaluation gear that we send to them and they have some homework to kind of prep that system. And then they, and, and they go through some of our online training and then they, or they schedule a date and they get online just like we are right now with one of my trainers for two full days, two eight hour days. And they go through hands-on training with the kit we just sent them and instructor on the other side, just like this. And that could be one person or it could be up to five people, depending on, you know, if, if in your office you had, uh, five technicians and you guys were in the office together working together but practicing proper social distance and you were comfortable with that you could have several people in the room and we would virtually certify you hands-on remotely That's and so cool. we're, we're, we're doing that right now we've we're scheduled out all the way through the end of 2020 right now and then towards the end of the year we'll evaluate and see what 2021 brings to see if we can revisit our online courses again but it's a challenge for us to uh, bring people into our actual facilities. We have two in North America and we have three, uh, four more internationally in, in Europe, Asia, and, and Latin America. And so we've closed all of them down. Uh, and while we, for a couple of reasons, it's difficult to bring people into um, our office environment where maybe we have employees returning to work and bring in unknown people. It's, it's not, we can't take that risk for our employees. We can't take that risk for our partners that we want to bring in. So we've chose not to open for factory training because of that. Um, on, on top of that, there's other challenges inherent to somebody traveling to a facility to do training. And while I'm 100% confident that the folks at Cedia have prepared their facility to be a safe environment, the fact is, if I were to go to that, I'd still have to drive in a car and stop at gas stations and rest stops where I'd have to get an airplane and fly. I'd have to eat at restaurants or fast food somewhere. The point is, I've got to make contacts in other places that are probably beyond my control and CDS control to get there to that training. And it's difficult 
to ask people to do that or to put people in that situation. So uh, at Lona, we haven't chosen to do that. We've built the virtual training. Um, CD is doing that. And like I said, I'm confident that they're taking the right steps to do that. But I know it's going to be a challenge to get everybody in there even still. Yeah, that's the truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's wrap this up with our last story of the day. This comes to us from Engadget. Microsoft's new Teams feature is going to fight video conferencing fatigue. Uh, if you didn't know that was a thing, it's totally a thing. If you've done more than two or three, as, as Ken's like, oh gosh, yes, will this ever end? Um, yeah. What they're doing is uh, they're doing a couple of things to try and address that uh, with some new features and updates. Specifically, uh, they are adding something that's called together mode that uses some AI uh, processes to essentially try and put you in a uh, like a classroom setting, tiered seating situation uh, where all the participants are, are kind of green screened up against uh, this thing to to promote more of that standard feel that that you would expect if you were giving a lecture in a uh, in a post-secondary environment or something such as that they're also uh, rolling out an additional feature called a dynamic view which gives moderators more control over shared content that is displayed as well as optimizing uh, featured content and participants so if uh, you were stuck in a meeting with me i could take over and you could have to you know be forced to pay attention to my face and stuff opposed to everyone else's as Ken's kind of laughing there. So Ken, because of kind of what you just shared as far as what Athlone is doing, uh, I'm, I'm confident that you were spending a boatload of time on, on zoom or, or uh, uh, on teams and, or whatever platform you guys are using. Is this something that is just kind of goofy? It, or, or is there actual science kind of behind what they're trying to do here? Or is this something that's just going to slow down your video call? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I have two thoughts on it. Number one, I, I feel like it's a lot of, um, uh, I don't know the right word is, homework for everyone to make this work, to get a green screen, screen, to all have the right resolution camera. I mean, there seems like there's a lot of pieces to make to blend this all into one AI background and make it look as good as the example they showed in the article. Um, so that's a challenge a little bit. Um, on the other side, I, I, it's kind of cool. It's kind of intriguing because right now you sort of get this, uh, if you've seen any of the, if, you, if you've been on one or seen any of these larger teams or Zoom calls, it's sort of like Brady Bunch on steroids. You got these little oh, yeah. squares of people all over the place and everybody's got a different background and everybody's got something different going on. And as much as I'm trying to listen to what you have to say, Matt, uh, <laughs> Heather's got a crazy background. I'm trying to figure out what the dog's doing back there right now. And so there is it's a little driving. bit of That's depression. my favorite one. Have you seen that one where there's somebody that they're just driving around? <laughs> I'll have to look for that one. I haven't seen it. But, you know, it, it, it does provide for a lot of good comedy, but it can be a distraction too. So I think... I think there's I think there's probably a segment of people who could benefit from from this tool as goofy as maybe it could be it, it actually um, you know may have some functionality too Heather when, when you see this one of the the big pushes in the story on this is that it's going to be very effective potentially in that classroom environment um, you've got kids that uh, may or may not be going back to school in September uh, my kids are, are currently home and they'll be home in September anyways. So I'm, I'm not having to deal with this, but I've dealt with countless corporate clients who are 
dealing with Zoom fatigue. Um, I'm dealing with countless residential clients who see it in their kids and, and they're, they're frustrated with the challenges of online school and, and having to do Zoom calls and having to sometimes help their kids manage a call or, or get on a call. Is this something that the, the, the tech side of this aside, is this something that has a benefit, obviously, because people can connect, but it also hinders because it is so, it's disjointed connection? Well, already this is disjointed connection, right? Like, so already we're not together and it's just not the same. So there's a part of me that really loves that Microsoft is doing this because Zoom came in as the cool kid on the block. Nobody had heard of Zoom, you know, five months ago, except for us who had seen it at shows. Um, and Microsoft Teams is like this weird, powerful underdog almost. You know, any major company is using Teams, but there's a lot of people in the wild that have never even heard of it. You know, and, it, and I'm, I'm always kind of surprised that if I set up a Teams call to an, someone not on 365, they're like, well, I just didn't know how to use it. It's the same thing. But I, I, I like that. I think that the only way that we can get better is to push some of these boundaries and to change. And that's a scary thing to do, but who better to do it than, you know, Microsoft's got a lot of money to throw around. Like, let's try some new creative things. Let's try some Instagram-like things to get kids involved or um, people can't read each other's body language as much. So I can give an emoji, a thumbs up, just to say, like, I'm with you. Um, is it the end of y'all? No. Will it be probably the, this be the thing? Probably not. But I think that if we just, I, I think that this isn't good enough yet, um, especially for kids. Um, I think that, you know, teachers, it, at least in, in where I am, did a fair job at best. Um, and I think that that's because they had to change on a dime the whole way you taught your entire life. So we have to get better. This is probably going to be a story. I don't think this, this will be a story we'll have for a while. Um, it, it's not going to be the last time we'll go virtual. So what a great time to keep pushing forward. And anyone that is a Teams person, they've gotten so much better since it started. Uh, teams in the beginning of when COVID started was not good. And they really have done a great job at releasing updates and getting better. And they didn't have the tile format in the beginning. So yeah, push forward, break the concept. I mean, until it's there, we won't know. Very good. All right, we're going to leave it there on the note that Microsoft is the underdog because <laughs> I don't think that's happened since like 84. Well, you know, not, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're, you're completely accurate though because how many times have you gone in to see, especially a corporate client, and talked to them about video conferencing? And they're like, oh, you mean like Zoom? I'm like, there's a lot and of- they're, And meanwhile, they're using 365. Oh, yeah. They're using Teams, but they think yeah. it's Zoom. It's great. <laughs> I wish they would send me the list of who was on it. I would make so much money. <laughs> let me help you, Microsoft. Microsoft, if you're listening, let me help you. <laughs> we got you. We're here to help. Thank you both so much for joining us. Heather, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Southtown AV, where can they do that? Um, our website at Southtown, singular, A as an Apple, V as in Victor.com. Um, and I have more fun probably over on Twitter, which is tech underscore chi as in a balance between life and technology. Are you saying that your job is not fun? Uh, it's never boring. <laughs> good answer. Ever. Very good answer. Ken, thank you 
so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Athlona, uh, where can they do that? Always at athlona.com. Definitely check us out there. And if you're using LinkedIn, check me out there. I post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, Ken Eagle, uh, on LinkedIn, all kinds of cool videos. And always, I tell everyone, check out the Atlona YouTube channel. Subscribe. We put videos on there almost weekly. And if you subscribe, you'll always get those updates. Yeah, very good. It is a great YouTube channel as well. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can hit me up at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.